a part of that. Wow, what a week. Anybody been paying attention? <laughs> yeah. What a, what a, what a week. Um, there hasn't been a week like this in a while, or ever, that I can recall. And uh, I don't know, I've been around for nine presidents, um, I guess technically ten, but, uh, and I was a history major and political science minor, so I had to study all the rest. This is an interesting time we're in right now, isn't it? This is an interesting time that we're in right now. This is not just another one of those times that kind of comes and goes, and then we all just sort of settle back in. We are in an interesting time right now. And uh, uh, it couldn't be a more divided time than, we are, than we're in right now. Not more divided. Maybe in 150 years in this country uh, has there been a time that's more divided as it is right now. And you know where we live right now is as divided as anywhere else. 11,000 people voted for Donald Trump in Garfield County, and 10,000 people voted for Hillary Clinton in Garfield County. So as I'm pretty sure that wherever you're rubbing shoulders, you're rubbing shoulders with somebody who doesn't agree with you, who voted probably opposite of you, and uh, uh, are thinking differently than you're thinking. And I don't know how you are right now, actually. I don't know how maybe you are uh, in just high-fiving everybody because you are as happy as can be, um, or maybe... Uh, you have big anxiety and fear right now. Maybe you're angry right now. I don't know where you're at right now. Um, but we are in the most divisive time we could be. And actually, interestingly enough, they say uh, that four out of five evangelical Christians voted for Donald Trump. Four out of five, 80%. So right now, all across America, Evangelical churches, are, uh, their pastors are getting up and they're talking to a crowd, four out of five of them, 80% of the people are like, yeah, all right. I got an email from another faith leader uh, in the valley who said, now that you've won, now that, uh, this was just uh, on Friday, I got this email, now that you've won and you're a part of the establishment, rise up to bring uh, harmony now. Well, first of all, I'm glad he thought that maybe I could help with that. Uh, and I, I thought that was, it would be a good time for uh, some harmony and peace. Now that I've won? Now that we've won? Did we, did we win on Tuesday? Uh, you know what? Apparently... A large segment of the population believes that we, we won. We won the election. Wow. Think of the implications of that. We won the election. Did, did, we, did we win? Oh, I don't know. I actually believe that this church is a little different. I actually believe that this church, uh, a little dicey, this church is dicey. Every single... Uh, this is, this is a dicey church. This, yeah, this is, this is not Church 101 here. Um, every taco time I've done over the last number of months, you know, all the new folks who have been to it, you know I tell you, uh, you know something about the orchard is there are all kinds of different people at the orchard. 
There are all kinds of different people. There are uh, uh, Pentecostal people. There are Reformed people. There are Catholic people. There are Baptist people. There are all kinds of people. There are, in fact, at the orchard, all kinds of red Republican people. And there are all kinds of blue Democratic people here in the orchard. I think, just knowing you, like I do, uh, that probably we're about split, 50-50. We could have done the chairs different and put an aisle down the middle. <laughs> and you could have been on that side of the aisle. We would have let you all shift to what side of the aisle you wanted to be on. But I'm pretty sure that the orchard is a place that doesn't represent uh, the four-fifths of everybody that voted uh, for Donald Trump. Now, um, that's interesting because that's messy, isn't it? That's really messy. And I tell you, just like a taco time, mess is good. Mess is good. But you realize now, right now in this room, you're sitting with people who lost and people who won. People who are red and people who are blue. People who right now are excited about the changes coming and people right now who are scared to death about the changes coming. All in this room, right here. Yeah. And the interesting thing for me is that all them out there actually believe that we all think we won. I was in an immigration meeting at 11, uh, 11 o'clock on Friday with community leaders and uh, uh, school district people, and they, uh, they didn't mean to, some of them there, not the whole group, but kind of said, well, there's a thing going on at the orchard right now. There was a memorial service that was packed. Many of you were here. And, and one guy said, well, I'm pretty sure they all voted for, President, for Trump because that's what they believe about you, that you did that. They believe that you all did that, and right now you won. Now, I want to, there's some words of Jesus that I've been, I've been uh, saying for the last four years as lead pastor around here every, every so often. And I think right now they apply more than any time I've ever said it. All that was lead up to right now. Matter of fact, all this vision stuff we've been talking about, all this Luke stuff we've been teaching for the last two years, is all lead up to right now. Right now. This week. My only regret is that we didn't have church on Wednesday this week. <laughs> so that we could talk about this a little bit before y'all started in your thing. Jesus said, he's praying for his disciples. You know this text, but now, now we're going to do it. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying that they'll be sanctified. He's praying that they'll be protected. And then in verse uh, 20, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. Not just for my disciples. He's praying for somebody else now. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Heard me talk about that, haven't you? For all those who will believe in me through their message. Now, who are they? Well, certainly they're the 5,000 people that Peter's going to get up to and talk at Pentecost, and boom, they decide to be Jesus followers. It's the 20,000 people that are following Jesus uh, by 60 AD. It's the 20 million people who are following Jesus by 300 A.D. It's all the way down through until right this very moment, 
Jesus was praying for you and I right now in this very moment. He was praying, and I don't know how it works with Jesus, so maybe he's got it in mind this time, right now. I'm praying for all of you, uh, for those who will believe in me through their message. You know, as I was contemplating that, it's not just for you and I sitting in this room right now. It's for those who are not sitting in this room right now who will believe. All the people outside of this room right now, out there, who right now think you won, what are they going to believe? Okay, let's move on. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Figure that out. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that, and here's the reason, that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's this big space in there. Did you see it? All of you who will believe in this message, which by the way, not a single one of you, if you're following Jesus right now, haven't responded to the message, and now you're following, and now you're one of those, and he is actually praying that as one of those, you all, it's plural, will be one. Why? So that the world may believe that you, Father, have sent me. This is the weirdest equation on the planet, if you think about it. So what's going to happen is there's going to be this group of people that are going to have so much oneness, or whatever that is, that people out in the world are going to turn and say, God, Jesus is God. It's real. That's what they're going to say. Well, we'll add a little piece to that too. I have given them the glory that you gave me and that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought, does it say it? To, what does that one say? Oh, I'm, I'm down, Lord. Listen to me. I am in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The world is supposed to know that the Father loves them as much as he loves Jesus, his Son, Here's the screwball thing. How are they supposed to know that? How are they supposed to know that? They're apparently supposed to know. He is, Jesus is praying that they will know that because of the unity that is seen and the reality of that unity in his people. That's what Jesus was praying. Wow. It's his word. Yeah. Now, there's a little bit of a disconnect, if you think that through a bit. A little bit of a disconnect of what's going on right now, isn't there? Especially if they think we won. If they think, they want, if they think we won, they're deciding whether they like that or they don't like that. Jesus is going, they have to see our unity so that they will know that they are loved. In a time that's the most divided time ever, what do they see? What do they see? Well, I got to say, you know, there are Christian leaders right now, many that I respect, 
that are getting up right now and saying, Donald Trump is an answer to prayer. Now, I hope you prayed for your candidate. That's okay. But, if Donald, if you, but when you go and you start spewing out that Donald Trump is an answer to prayer, really? Now, tell that to somebody right now who's afraid of being deported, that your answer to prayer is my nightmare? Tell that to somebody who I know I can feel it rise, even as I talk about that, I can feel it rise just a little bit. It's almost like what we've been doing, the Christian community, maybe some of us, have been having kitchen conversations out on the front lawn. You know when you're with your family, your wife, you can sit at the table, kitchen table, when nobody else is there, and you can have these conversations like uh, uh, what you really think and what's really going on and the real issue is and share your opinion and emote about that and have some good tears or some big brawling. Blah, you know, it's at the kitchen table. But when you have guests over, you don't have them into the kitchen table and have a kitchen talk with them, do you? You wouldn't do that. You don't want to have them see you brawling have you have them see you emoting about problems in the family? And this you won and you lost. Kind of feel like that's what we've been doing. We've been Facebooking that stuff all out. I, 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 I don't know if you knew this. Facebook is public. I know it doesn't feel like public because you're sitting in front of your screen and there's nobody there. And when you hit, boom. But it's public. You're having a kitchen talk in front of the world. You're, you're, you're spouting off what you believe, which is good. It's okay that you believe that. But you're doing it in front of the world. And so then, let me ask you, how do they know that there is a supernatural unity in God's people that would be compelling enough to know that the Father loves them. How would they know that when you're spewing your junk out there? How would they, how would they know? Yes, you're a citizen of this country, and you should participate in this country. And I hope you did. But you if you follow Jesus, are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. Are you bringing from there what is from there for here in a time that's as divided as it's ever been? I have to tell you, uh, when I see Jesus' words, I go, okay, well, they're not coming here to see our unity. They're all not coming in here to see our potlucks, to see how much fun we're having together and how in fact we do live in a church where there's probably 50-50 here. They're not coming here to see how we all like each other. To see our unity. Are they? They're, where are they going to see it? They're going to see it through each of us as we go from here out there and how we say what we say and how we do what we do. How we respond to that cynical comment that fearful thing that anxiety that somebody has, or that gloating that somebody, how do you respond in that? That's where they'll see. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of hostility right now towards 
the Christians that did this. That's you and me, by the way. They think that you did this to us. How do you respond in the midst of that anxiety where somebody doesn't even like you? Well, if you're like me, I like to hang around with people who like me. I don't really go find people who don't like me so I can hear what they have to say about me. But maybe I ought to. Maybe I ought to. And stand right in the middle of that anxious place and represent what Jesus is praying here for us. Matter of fact, I think that's the call. I think that's the call. He's asking us to step into whatever somebody's going through. I bet I've had 12 conversations a day for the last five days, and they're going to keep going, aren't they? If you look at your own life, they're, they're, they're coming, and they're going to keep coming. Every single one of those is a decision for you. What are you going to do? How are you going to be? What are you going to say? Will somebody know that Jesus came from the Father? Will somebody know, because of interacting with you, that the Father loves them? That vacuum that's in everybody's heart that's frankly, frankly being expressed in all this anxiety that's around us can't be satisfied with politics. It can't be satisfied. No president is going to solve that for you. And frankly, no president can really create that for you if you're a citizen of heaven. If you, you know, politicians only reveal what's already going on. They already reveal the anxiety that's in the heart of America. They already reveal the anxiety and attitudes that are in us as a people. So, what if God's people were moving in the flow of what Jesus is praying right here? Moving around and in anxious situations are a calming presence. Not participating in the cynicalness, not jumping on the bandwagon with somebody I agree with, not pushing back against somebody I don't agree with. I'm not talking milk toast here. I have very strong opinions about this stuff. Maybe stronger than you. But what is important? I have to tell you, I believe that right now is actually a great moment. Right now is what we've been looking for. The opportunity to make a difference. We've been talking about loving God and loving people. And it's just kind of nice. But now we're talking about the real thing. Opportunities all day long. Everybody you encounter to love them well. By being in their life what they need. And that's pulling out of the unity that's coming from here. It's a beautiful thing. It's our finest hour if we'll step up into it. It's our finest hour. You didn't mean to get alienated and put in a box, did you? It just happened to you. But here we are. We have an opportunity now. It's a massive opportunity. You know, Winston Churchill, he, uh, 1940, stood before the House of Commons, and France had just uh, acquiesced and signed an armistice with Germany, and Germany was going to attack, and it was going to be the Battle of Britain, a very dark moment, and he gets up in front of them and and he says, if we lose, it will be dark. It will be dark, and, and this civilization will phase. But he says, if we win, at this time, may it be a thousand years from now, when they look back over time, that they will say, this time, right now, is our finest hour. And that was at the approach of World War II into, into Britain. Now, you might go, hey, it's just a president. I 
I'm pretty sure from God's perspective that he says, for such a time as this, for right now is the opportunity right here in this valley, right now, not just, hey, maybe someday we'll do something cool and be a church that moves out. What I'm saying is right now could be our finest hour. It's going to be every single one of you putting on who you are in Christ, stepping in to every conversation you're in and bringing peace. Every single one of you. Maybe some of you in your personality, you need to step it up. Maybe some of you in your personality, you need to tone it down. But right now, and it matters. Apparently in the kingdom, it will matter. It may not end up on TV or anything like that or in the paper, but when you're at the gravel pit and when you're at the store and when you're at the ski company and when you're in your truck and when you're at the school and somebody's anxious, when somebody's hurting, when somebody's angry, or when somebody's just cynical, what are you going to do and what are you going to say? It's now. It's our time. It's our time, and it matters. It matters. Now, we are are in this time right now. What I'm asking you to do is actually hard. First of all, you got to get control of yourself. How are you going to do that? That's going to be hard. But uh, second of all, we're talking about a, a spiritual business here. We're asking for God to come in to these situations. Now, we're, we've started this series called All of Me. And the intention of that is so that we could take the vision, amplify it for you, and that we would step into that in a specific way, a specific way around the Shema, loving God and loving people. And... Uh, It's really interesting to me how it's laid out for this week. Uh, Laid out kind of perfectly. You know, all of me comes from Luke 10. Throw Luke 10 up there. You got it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Turn it off now. Take that off the screen. Somebody finish it for me. We've talked about it so much. Want to try again? Throw it back up there. Good job, by the way. (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. I've got it backwards. Do it with all of that. Those are for next week. We'll get those right. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's really interesting. I mean, Daniel did an awesome job about your heart last week. So powerful about your love, right? Being wholehearted and with one true love instead of loving two. I thought that was so powerful. I hope you were challenged by that. And you left that message going, here's my whole heart. All my affections, Lord. All my passions. I want in you. I want in you. Everything directed towards you. Everything in me. I want to be towards you. Don't find me, what'd you call that? Staring Still face. Don't find me still face, Lord. That was good. That was really good. With all of your heart. However, if you just do your heart, all your passion, you just do your mind, all of your thoughts, your strength, all of your energy and influence, I think you're going to be subject to the whims of what's going on around you. 
like this week. That's why he says, with all of your soul. With all of your soul. Now we often hear this, and accurately, this verse right here is a whole. It's all of you. You know, heart, soul, strength and mind. We'll get it that order right this time. Although we're doing mind the strength. Because I screwed that up back when I planned this whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole. It's all of you. But, but why, did, why did the Jews and why did Jesus break it out? So that you and I would contemplate these different parts of us. And that Jesus would get all of that from us. Our soul is our inner place, our deep place, the real you, the deep part of you, where your core is. It's who you are. It's where your identity is. It's where your personality is. Now, I recognize you theologians, there's a lot more around this than I'm going to do right now. But your soul, for, the, for this discussion, is your deep place. We're to love God from there. It says in uh, Psalm 103, which I, I throw it up there if you got it, because that's going to take me a sec. I got it. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Mm. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. You have a soul. You have an inner place. You have a place that's more than your emotions. You have a place that's more than your thoughts. You're, you have a place that's more than your next activity. You have a place that you may not even understand very well. You have a place a unique place that's meant to relate to God wholly and fully. I'm not even sure that I can get my head around the depths of your soul and your spirit. I mean, I got stuff on this. I recognize that uh, we are triune beings probably created in God's image so that we even have a spirit. Hebrews 4 says that the, the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide soul and spirit. So, there's all these dynamics to this inner place. But the simplicity of being an eight-year-old and reading the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all of you, is what it means. That's what it means. And you can tell if you're doing okay with that by the anxieties that you carry. You can tell if you're doing okay with that by the words that you're speaking as you're interfacing with other people. You can tell how this is going whether you're a settled person, your identity is set, or whether you're an anxious person. And you can tell when there's an election like this where your soul's at. <laughs> it gets revealed right now. So when I say, go out there, bring the kingdom, be a calming presence in an anxious time, I got to stop and back up here and go, first of all, be rooted in a healthy, whole, inner place soul relationship with God. So that when you're out there, you're bringing something real. If You know in the, in the Good Samaritan and the Shema, 
Uh, here's how you know if it's, if it's real. You back up to how you're treating people. You can see how you're treating people. That'll show you how much you're loving God. It works reverse. So now in the last week, take that time. Think about your thoughts, your relationship with other people, and what does that indicate to you about how your soul is doing? Wow. Fairly convicting. Fairly, fairly convicting, isn't it? I would say, um, I, I, got a, I came up with, a, I think there's probably dozens, but I'll give you three things to cultivate a love in your soul for God. I just wanted to give you a few things to take out of here on. Like one, I think if you put the word in your heart so that you hear who you are, so that you can hear in a deeper way who you are, you got to do that. You got to spend time. Uh, instead of just listening to us, you got to get in there and see who you are. Because who you, this speaks to who you are. Right now, who you are has been exposed in the religion of politics. I would put the word in. You know what else C.S. Lewis talks about? The blessedness of self forgetfulness. You guys who have read Mere Christianity are nodding your head. The blessedness of self-forgetfulness. I really, I really think that is a beautiful concept and a beautiful thought of what it looks like, a, peace, a peaceful soul looks like. Because actually, if your soul is you, yourself, and you're not thinking about you and yourself, it means you're probably in, in pretty good shape. That's what C.S. Lewis said, the more that you think of yourself less, the more it's not about your life, the more it's about him and him and them. So the blessed of self-forgetfulness, I think what you do to do that is you put your awe on, A-W-E on. You've got to turn that on. You've got to move about, in your, and, and first of all, focused on him. Get yourself in places that you recognize the size of God and the beauty of God. Get out in the creation where you are taken back and you have a little bit of a gasp. Oh my gosh, Lord, you're so big. You're so beautiful. Get yourself in, into an appreciation of who he is. Because when we get an understanding of how big he is and who we are, I think we'll end up thinking of ourself less. And that will be good for your soul. That will be a way of loving God with your soul. I think that's really uh, important. Or looking at um, children. Do you see it in a new baby? You see, ah, the, the amazement right there. Or in some of you analytical people, in the beauty of how God works things out. And, and uh, you've got to see that to realize things are bigger than you. And he is bigger than you. And then you'll think of yourself less. And that'll be good in your soul love for God. And I think a third thing is, uh, this is counterintuitive because we're talking about your inner you and God, but I think if you start serving, you put your serve on, it'll be good for your soul. Because you, uh, it, it, what I'm talking about right now, now that I'm engaging a person and I'm going, Lord, what do they need? Oh, man, that energizes you so much when you realize that God has given you something for somebody else. You start thinking of yourself less in regard to that. So, brief, but I hit it. 
You've got to love God with your, all your soul and all your mind and your strength. And I think that fits this day right now. I think that fits this week right now. So I don't know where this week finds you. Are you indifferent to all this? Uh, well, yeah, maybe I'll raise your game a little on that. If, uh, if, if you're angry or even in a self-righteous kind of place, that's an indicator. You can drop that and say, Lord, I want to be about what you want. I had, I had people calling this week um, concerned about hanging with other people in the church because I don't want to be with them. Who does, right? Well, that's an indicator. That's an indicator. Now can be our finest hour. It can be our finest hour if we step into it. Our finest hour. Everything could change now like never before. So I'm saying, I'm asking you, Say, I'm asking you to make a decision. I don't think God has you here on accident today. I think you might have decided it was a good day and something else wasn't going on. But I don't think God has you here on accident today. Every single one of you. Every single one of you. It's your opportunity to bring life, to bring love. I'm not even telling you what you're supposed to say. I'm just saying Lord, I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So be through me what people need and bring healing to this land because of me. Bring it here. Let them see the unity that we have, Lord. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm calling you to. It's our finest hour. Don't walk out of here. Just, okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Today's the day. And there's some of you, there, maybe some of you uh, actually wanted to see what it looks like to be winners. And, and you, uh, you, you're actually trying to see if this thing, uh, you know, I'm being facetious when I say that, but there could be some of you here in the room right now that uh, came in and you're not sure why. And I hope you're hearing a different message. I hope you're hearing a message that Jesus' biggest priority is that you know how much he loves you. That you know how much he cares for you. This is an open communion uh, time. And so that's a time where we celebrate what Jesus has done for us through his death on the cross so that we can love him and love others well. If you're here, uh, it's no accident. We'll be up here and you can pray with us and we'd love to talk to you about being a Jesus follower. But if you're here uh, today, and I'm assuming a large percentage of, percentage of you are, um, we need to activate this. We need to say, yes, Lord. I will be about your business instead of about that other business. I will be about that instead of that. It's more important than that. I will be about that in my way, and however you want to do it through me, I will be about that. Here, I, want to, I just want to pray for you if you're in that zone right there, if you want to do that. If you, if you can say that, Lord, okay, today I'm going, I'm going at this different. 
I'm going to be a calming presence whoever I encounter today and this week. So what I want you to do, if that's you, I want you to stand up, and I'm going to pray for you, not directly, indirect, but as a whole. If, if, uh, if you are a person who's saying, today, I'm going to do that. Just stand up. Don't stand up if it's not you, but if it is you, stand up, and I'm just going to pray for you. All right. Lord, you're looking at your people right now who are saying yes to you. We are saying yes together in unity together. We are saying we will, we will be that calming presence and that love, uh, communicating love that people need. I pray that today in your church, as we move around, we don't come to church, we are the church. And so I pray as uh, your church moves throughout uh, the valley, the restaurants and recreation, the schools, everywhere, Lord, I pray that every single one of us who has said yes to this right now, I pray, Lord, that uh, we would feel your pleasure in it. I pray that your people feel your pleasure. I, I pray that right now, your people feel uh, your smile on them right now. I, I pray uh, that right now, every fear, every anxiety, uh, we just drop that to our feet, turn our palms up to you and say, yes, Lord, Thank you for what you're doing through me. And so, Lord, we declare that this valley will be a place of shalom as a result of these people who have stood up, proclaiming that they will walk with you in wherever they encounter. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys rock. You guys rock. So we'll be taking communion, and uh, prayer team, come on up. And if there is anything about this that you want to pray for, or need to pray for, something in your heart that just feels like a lock. There are people to pray with you. Uh, if you um, want to become a Jesus follower, come up and talk to Daniel and I. Uh, anybody else?